0: Block Talk Radio.
1: Broadcasting from Atlanta, Georgia, this is The Bright Side with Techneeshaw. A daily broadcast on real-life issues that will keep you motivated.
2: And now, here's your host, Technisha.
0: Good afternoon, everyone. Today is July the 10th, 2014, and welcome to all for tuning in to another episode of the Bright Style with Technicia. Oh, how is everyone doing today? I was doing just fine before my shoulder started hurting. I was doing P90X, man, yesterday, and I did a couple of push-ups and stuff, so my shoulder is really killing me, but I'm going to try to get it in today, do a little hip-hop app, the uh, fat burning cardio and app scope. But, oh, it's really bothering me. Hopefully, I won't have to carry in trays at work. But anyhow, the weather seems to be pretty good. We're supposed to get some rain yesterday. I didn't see any. And today, we're supposed to be raining. Um, and I know Friday, we're going to get all the sh- sunshine and Saturday, too. But while we got this thing going, let me hit you with some tunes while I wait on my guests to call in. And we'll go from there. So just sit back, relax. And chill. And if you feel like calling in, if you got a motivational story before we get started, you go right ahead. I don't mind listening. If you got the time to talk, I got the time to hear it.
1: First things first, I'm going to really, really drop this and let the whole world feel it. And I'm still in the murder business, I can hold you down. Giving lessons in physics, right, back. right. You want a bad bitch like this? Huh? Drop it low and pick it up just like this. Yeah. Cup of ace, cup of goose, cup of Chris, I heal something worth a habit, ticket on my wrist. Back. On my wrist. Taking all the liquor straight, never chase that. Never stop, like we bring an 88 back. What? Bring the hook scene with the base at. Champagne feeling, you can taste it. Thought you knew that, knew that I'd be the OG Put my name in ball. I've been working, I'm up in here with some change to throw. I'm so fancy. you want already- How you love that? Got the whole world asking how I does that. Hot girl, hands off, don't touch that. Look at it, I bet you wishing you could clutch that. That's just the way you like it, huh? It's so good, he just wishing he could bite it, huh? Never turn down none, plain ain't so gold sugar on the gun like
0: on the air. You tune in with me, Technicia, your host of The Bright Side with Technicia, and thank you again. Today with me is Mr. V. Frank Asaro. He is the author of A Primal Wisdom. So let's welcome him to the show today. Mr. V. Frank, how are you today? Hey, I'm just fine. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you for this interview today, too. Oh, my pleasure. Um, now you have a wonderful book out and I know I love it. I think it's, I think it's very wise that it, that you wrote this. It is. And if it goes deeper than, than just wisdom, it goes into the spirituality part of it all. But before we get it, well, first of all, can you tell us briefly what your book, A Primal Wisdom is about?
2: Yes, it's a. You know, it's finding the sweet spot for living and uh, engaging in any system activity uh, in, in the whole world. I think um, I think it applies across the board. To everything. Um, it, it, I, I feel that you've got uh, both the cooperative instinct. You know, while because. Because we're programmed to belong to a team, you know. We want to keep people happy. and <laughs> We smile, but yeah, we compete. We compete on the team, uh, you know, for the best position, or we compete for the most food, the mates, and so forth. We have to. We have to put drives together uh, in the best way to find a sweet spot between them. We don't want to be too greedy, too. If you're on the team, but be going is the team won't win or you'll you'll be kicked off the team, and Why? yet you've got to be friendly to your teammates so I'm talking generally this is the way it is with everything it's with politics economics uh business uh, marriage and and I'm saying that uh, if people realize that they've got to adjust their competitive drive and their cooperative drives to a synthesis where they both work together and you find the sweet spot of where that balance is. You can find that sweet spot where that balance is. It's going to solve most of your problems. It's going to solve most of the government's complex problems because the government has so many huge problems they don't know how to find the sweet spot between the competitive part and the cooperative part and uh, if they let nature guide the government or guide us nature is going to do 90% of the work it's for free right you just let okay yeah so that's generally what it's about So, Frank, what did what did you
0: have the time to come up with this topic to even the format for it? How much research oh, yeah. had to go into this?
2: Oh, yeah, very good. Well, you know, it's a funny thing, uh, I remember uh when my son was in high school, he brought an assignment home and uh and, and we were working together on on his assignment and it, it had something to do with uh you know, uh, some people are greeting, some people are, are altruistic, and how do you put them together? Anyway, we kind of, I kind of feel like, you know, this might be a universal rule. So, you know, I'm a, I'm an attorney, retired attorney, and I, I remember I had a case where a, a guy was selling some property, uh, and I, I thought he was l- leaving too much money on the table my client i'm you know i took him aside and i said you know i can get you i can get you a couple million more on this <laughs> this property and he said frank i know i know you can do that he says i know we can get the ex some extra money out of this this buyer but he said i want this buyer to succeed i want him to be able to pay off the note he owes me And I also am proud of this property I'm selling, and I don't want him to run into bankruptcy and have this thing go to pot. Uh, I've got my community interest all wrapped up in the whole thing. So he said, just let it go, and I think it will be a win-win for both of us. So I said to myself, that's a cooperative part that he's throwing into his competitive part to get the highest price. So I'm saying, well, it isn't all Darwinian greed. Uh, it's you got to throw some some consideration, some cooperation into it in order for yourself to benefit. Another, he's saying, hey, this guy, he won't be able to pay the note off if I ask him if I if I get all the money out of him that he thought he can get out of him. So when we when I started thinking, well, look in uh capitalism, okay. If you if everybody's totally greedy
0: mm-hmm. uh,
2: capitalism won't work because nobody will trust anybody. Uh they have to often shake hands on a deal or they have to work together and so forth. So there's a built in ethics into capitalism. It's ethics and business. It's ethics and morality, you know. Um you have to trust. You have to have trust and confidence of the person you deal with, or you're not going to do business with them again. Uh, or if you get the reputation for being a total greedy jerk, no one's going to do business with them. So, so you need both the competitive part and the cooperative part in, a, in order for capitalism to work. Mm-hmm. And then when they realize that, when the people right. realize it. It works great. So I'm just trying to get the people to realize that they need both parts of this equation. Now, the key is finding out where to put the balance between the two parts is the sweet spot. And my book, I think, teaches how to get to the sweet spot. Yeah. (laughs) I like the way you put that,
0: Frank. Frank said you got to get to the sweet spot, like the two of now, how many bites will it take to you get to the middle part of it hope. So, <laughs> who is your intended audience for this?
2: Yeah, uh, you know, I think it's just the general public, and, and uh, I'm trying okay. to get these these politicians to uh, to get together. You know, I, I, I'm thinking Why? back on your previous question of what kind of research did I do? You know, after mm-hmm. I made these. D- discoveries that I thought this might be universal, this theory that it might be, you know, in the universe. And so I I hired some university graduate students at different stages, you know, d- they didn't know each other. And I had them to research various disciplines, like one in philosophy, one in astronomy, one in, one in economics, one in chemistry. And I said, I gave my theory and I said, see if you can find anything in that subject matter that backs up what I say. So at the end of the summer, these graduate students, one at a time, they came back, and they they were very enthusiastic. Every, every one of them was very enthusiastic. They said, yeah, it fits in with what Hegel said here and what the Voltaire said there, and it fits in the chemistry like... Uh, and, and, well, anyway, I get into some <laughs> some I equate the cooperation part with bringing things together and that's like unity and then it's like order, bringing order together, so order and cooperation are all uh one side of the the spectrum, one side of the equation. And on the other side, you've got chaos along with competition because if particles blow up, you know, they're competing with each other for space. And uh, th- that's why I've got the, the chaos and the competition all on that part of the equation. So, um, a- anyway, uh, these university students uh, just confirmed what I, what I was thinking. And some of them went on and wrote the graduate papers on that. But um, now trying to get to the question you just asked me, what is my mm-hmm. uh, um what was it you were asking me
0: there? Um, who is like your I
2: intended? Had, um, who is your intended audience? Uh, yeah, I, I think uh, g- generally, just general people who are interested in, um, you know, thinking a little bit while they while they're entertained. I, I wrote my novel, uh, The Tortoise Shell Code, which is an exciting novel. You know, it's a it's a high seas crime novel. Novel. But I threw into it this this theory of competition Co opetition is a contraction of the word cooperation and competition, so that word is coined um and it's competition um and so I was hoping that when they read the novel, they'd see how the competition part relates to it, and they could be totally entertained and not not spend much time thinking about the philosophy. But they could also, if they want to, get deeply into the philosophy of reading the book. So, so that's the reason I wrote the novel, uh, the Tortoise Shell Code, and uh, in the book, the tribe, the primal, the primal wisdom, which is right after the novel, I refer to excerpts from the novel in explaining my metaphors and, and little plans, little. Little stories that show up in uh, a primal wisdom. I explain it by using a novel. So I, I'm thinking, um, you know, when I read a novel, I, I like to learn something from the novel. I mean, yeah, I can be entertained and everything. I can kind of get tired of spy novels and and a courtroom <laughs> novels, but when I'm when they teach me something new. Then I'm, then I'm thinking I'm getting a double benefit from it. So that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to tell the novel and teach something new to the people. Right. And the primal wisdom is really the philosophical philosophical part of the whole deal. But at any rate, that's that's the idea of the right?
0: And I hope everybody is ready for this type of reading. I think you just have to have an open mind to begin to even read something like this. Um, so how does competition and a prime Wisdom relate to your novel that you just mentioned a tortoise shell code
2: yeah well um with um oh I'm trying to get an example in the in the uh, tortoise shell code there's a revolution that goes on uh towards the end of the book, and uh these trying to get these two parties to settle bring the revolution to cease fire and they they bring in uh, the person that that has written the book and and people who understand the book to try to explain it at the peace conference and try to settle this dispute it's a it's a fictional uh latin American country you know where there's revolution uh in the novel and um, and they they bring out that the American Constitution was a a document that they put together to try to separate the powers from the president and the and the Senate and the Congress states and The reason they wanted to separate the powers is because they didn't want total power in any one entity. They didn't want to give the courts all the power they didn't want to give the legislature all the power they didn't want to give the President all the power they wanted to separate the powers and they were the reason for that was um, absolute power corrupts absolutely and they they were worried but you know people with absolute power they start they start abusing it seems to be in our DNA to do that i saw a movie uh called ruby spark where uh, an author wanted to create his ideal girlfriend, girlfriend. so he wrote a story about an ideal girlfriend. And one morning he wakes up and he goes into his kitchen, and there's a strange girl in his kitchen making him breakfast. <laughs> and, he's, and he goes, God, who, who, I don't remember you. I don't remember. Anyway, she's loving him. She loves him and everything. So he goes back in his bedroom, and he calls his brother, and he says, come over here. Son. I think I'm going nuts. He said, this girl I'm writing about my book, she just, she just came to life. She's in my kitchen cooking me breakfast. So his brother says, Hey No, I I'll come over and I'll settle you down here. I, you know, you <laughs> He said, You must have gone out and, and uh, had a few drinks last night and showed up home and not remember and, and, no, no He said this is this is really this is really happening. So the, anyway the brother shows up fifteen minutes later and he introduced he is introduced her to the girl and then the brother takes him in the bedroom he said this is a real girl. You just forgot that you busted, brought her home last night. He said, no, no. He said, look how she is. He just typewriter her in his paper and said, I'll type in something different about her, and we'll go out in the kitchen, and she'll be different. Oh, no. He said, That's so." he types in. She's French, and she can only speak French. Okay? So they type it in, and they go outside, and here's the girl speaking total French. <laughs> Everything's French. <laughs> and so so the brother goes, maybe it's right. Maybe you're right. Maybe she came to life. Well, anyway, what this author did, he falls in love with this girl, but he finds himself tweaking her personality without her knowing it, you know. He, he goes to his bedroom and he types this sentence, you know, you love me more than you've been showing in the last few days. And then... And then, uh, then then, she's loving him too much. She's clinging all over him. So then he changes it the other way. No, you, no if we're going to go to a party, and you're going to talk to all the other guys. In there. <laughs> so then, <laughs> then he doesn't like that because he over-tweaked her. So he's becoming sadistic about his changes of her personality, but he loves her. So he's abusing his absolute power. It just is is in our DNA, as human beings. We're going to start abusing our absolute power because I don't know, I, I don't know. There's a psychological reason for it. Anyway, long way, long, long way to tell the story. The founding fathers did not want anybody to have absolute power, so they separated all the powers. So these guys in the book, Shell Code, they convinced these revolutionaries, hey, you got to separate the powers. You got to set up the stage. You got to do this and that. You can't give the one guy too much power, kid. Okay. Anyway, and they so they settled their revolution, and so um, it's a long way of saying how that book relates to the novel, but that that was a part of it.
0: Well, I'm gonna have to end up watching that movie, Ruby Sparks, because I
2: I heard of it before, and it's got some great
0: actors in it um, that I have yeah, seen play so that so I'm going to actually have to sit down, actually watch it. Now, you know what I found really cool? I love the title of the book, of your novel, A Tortoise Shell Code. Um, Frank, if you don't mind just telling us a little bit about that one.
2: Okay. Well, you know, um, this boat involves a ship sinking, and there is supposed to be a code for whether to sink the ship or not to sink the ship. And uh, they were going to radio the code to the ship. And the code, um, if they said tortoise shell, bring me back a tortoise shell. Tortoise, tortoises are land animals. So that means bring the ship back to land. And if they would have said bring me back a turtle shell, uh, turtle shells, uh, sea turtle shells, sea turtle shells, they're, they're sea animals. So then that meant to sink, sink the boat. So, so they had a court case, a couple of court cases and trials and all kinds of things as to whether or not that code was given and who gave it and when. And uh, and uh, I won't tell you how it turned out, but I was, a lot of people were very <laughs> happy. <laughs> I have some people who've read this novel four times because they say they uh, they get so much out of it. Right. And uh, that that makes me feel very good, very good. Well, I appreciate you for sharing that little
0: sneak preview of it. Frank said you got to go out and get the rest. Now, he's not going to give you all the details, so we're not going to cheat you. So buy it. You can easily find it on Amazon because I think that's why I have um, discovered it on Amazon, which is a great site to get most of all your books from. So, Frank, how yeah. does op cooper- Oh, go ahead, Frank.
2: I was just saying that if on, on Wikipedia, this word uh, co-opetition, which is as I right. said, contraction cooperation competition, you can find it on Wikipedia, and uh, you'll find my three books there, and you find everybody else's. A lot of other writers have have jumped onto the subject, and uh, I um, I had written a, a piece way back there many years ago. And I met a uh, a writer at a cocktail party in La Jolla, you know, uh, one night. And uh, he had written, co-written The One Minute Manager, which, which was his bestseller. And that was Spencer Johnson, uh, who wrote The One Minute Manager. So he told me, I told him about it, and he says, you know, send me the outline. So I, I sent him the outline, and uh, I didn't hear anything for six months. I forgot about it. And then I get a phone call from him. Uh, he said, "Hey Frank, I've been in Hawaii. He said I just read your outline, and he said you got to write this book." And um, and uh, and but I was so busy practicing law and everything, I, I I wrote a little bit here and there, but it wasn't until re- now that I'm, that I'm finally getting it out. But it was Spencer Johnson that really uh, got me going on it. And he wrote uh, Who, Moved, Who Moved My Cheese, which was also a bestseller. But anyway, any rate, uh, I think you were asking me a question, and I interrupted you. I can't remember which one it was. Oh, no, Frank. I
0: always like for my guests to finish up what they're saying. Mm-mm.
2: I was going to ask, how
0: does cooperation relate to avoiding polarization?
2: Oh, that's a good question. You know, okay, let's take this Classic polarization is going on in Congress, and uh, between the President, Congress, Senate. Um, you know that means, of course, people can't agree, and they won't, and they won't compromise, and so things go into stagnation and so forth. Well, uh, the only way to avoid polarization is for the people to want to avoid polarization and to act in good faith they have to act in good faith and by acting in good faith they can't lie or or exaggerate or put each other down they've got to act civilly and uh, they can then they can avoid the polarization but they don't they act civilly, but they don't compromise their principles. In other words, they don't give up their good faith principles, but they try to persuade each other using logic and reasoning because they all theoretically want to avoid the polarization. They, they in good faith, want to avoid polarization. If, if one side doesn't want to avoid polarization in bad faith, they're never going to avoid polarization. But I'll tell you a little bit about polarization. You know, the Founding Fathers uh, put in to the Constitution these checks and balances, which in some cases result in polarization, and the Founding Fathers wanted it to result in polarization because, for example, if they didn't want one side to get too much power, they wanted the other side to polarize them and um and uh, what people didn't realize or what the press didn't know, I don't think they knew it at the time that the House of Representatives were saying, "Look, we're gonna close down the government unless you do this or that, you know defend the defund uh, the health care Act or whatever you know and uh, and the press will say, hey, God, it's it's like uh, treason, you know, to close down the government. Well, the Constitution has in it a clause that says the purse strings of the Constitution, in other words, the money. The people that handled the money and dispersed the money, they gave that to the House of Representatives. They didn't give it to the president. They didn't give it to the Senate. They gave it to the House of Representatives. And the implicit in this... Duty that they know implicit in this in this giving of the purse strings the House of Representatives is the duty that the House is supposed to watch the purse strings and make sure the money is not spent unwisely or is not spent the way it's supposed to be spent. So the House really had the duty to shut down the government if they weren't convinced that the money was spending spent properly. So it was up to the other sides, like the Senate, the President, and the House, to sit down and negotiate uh, how they could make it work so the House could then release the money. (laughs) But nobody, I didn't hear it on any, I don't care if it was a right wing or a left wing or TV programs or any place, I didn't hear anywhere that anybody pointed out that in the Constitution, the Clause that says, there's a clause that says that the House of Representatives have the duty to control the purse strings of the of the the money for the whole government. <laughs> so at any rate, I think if they had pointed that out, then they could have probably worked out a compromise that would everybody had been happy in the House, and the uh, the rollout would have been smoother and everything would have worked better. I think I think uh, from what I've seen, everybody agrees there there should be a universal health uh, plan you know everybody should be covered uh the the question was uh, what method do they use Do you use a, a redistribution method or use a, a capitalist method and uh, and 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 the method has to be fair to everybody, but the capitalist method brings in mother nature to simplify the complexity of the system, whereas the redistribution Method that's a forced cooperation method that requires all kinds of regulation, you know, 2,600 pages, all kinds of things, in order to manage it, and it's not as simple as manage as would be uh, a more natural system. But anyway, that's that's a, a an example of how um, when you when you synthesize. The cooperative part with the competitive part, you arrive at the sweet spot,
3: Okay.
2: and uh, everything is going to work smoothly. Let me let me uh, give one, one more explanation. When I talk oh, go, about... Go ahead, Frank. Pardon me?
0: Oh, no, I was saying you said you was going to give one more example. I was saying go yeah, right when ahead. When
2: I talk about cooperation, I use the word really broadway, broadly, and it means... It also means forced cooperation. You know, when when you drive down a speed and you stay within the speed limit, you're cooperating with the laws to stay within the speed limit. But sometimes <laughs> you're forced to cooperate with the laws. You really don't want to. You really want to drive at 85 and not 75. And, um, and so you're being forced to cooperate with the system. Well, that's what I mean by forced cooperation, uh, and I, it's in the category of cooperation. And so, when the government issues a mandate to require you to pay taxes, they're forcing your cooperation to pay the tax. Well, so that's that's, a good, that's the way I mean cooperation to work from the book, the primal wisdom.
0: Okay. See, we learn. That's what I love about life, because you learn something every day. And I, I hope that I can end up getting this book myself. So once I get my of other situations take care of, I would love to actually get it, because it sounds like it's it's a great opening book, and I love stuff like this that actually makes you take out your time and think. Now, before we take a commercial break, Frank, I wanted to ask, when we talk about polarization or we talk about the politics of, of polarization, because um, I think they said that um, – it refers to the diversions of political attitudes to ideological extremes. Yes. Okay. Hey, do you want me to go into that? Oh, yes. Right but we're, um, well, let's take a short commercial break, and then we'll come back with Frank on talking about polarization. So stay tuned. Do not touch that dial. You're tuned in to Blog Talk Radio. Mm-hmm. There's only one station that will keep you happy. Block Talk
1: Radio. We're taking more of your calls at 347-426-3751. Stay tuned. We'll be back after this commercial break.
2: Hi, it's Flint Lockwood here in Swallow Falls. My friends and I have just discovered some amazing living foodimals, but we've also discovered an urgent matter that needs our help. According to my calculations, one in five kids in America struggles with hunger. Our latest mission is to help solve hunger by teaming up with the Feeding America Network to get food to kids facing hunger in communities across the country. Help Flint and the Feeding America Network of food banks get food to the
1: people who need it in your community. Find your local Feeding America food bank at feedingamerica.org slash hunger. Together, we're feeding America. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council.
3: Hey, sweetie, what's
1: going on?
2: Well, honey, I uh, I have some news. Uh,
1: okay, what?
2: <laughs> All that training paid off. I got the job.
1: Oh, I knew you would get it. So when
2: do you start? When you donate stuff to Goodwill, you help provide job training for people right here in your community. Goodwill. Donate stuff. Create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council.
0: All right, we're back with Frank, the author of A Primal Wisdom, and we have been talking about everything from the research of the book, Cooperation, A Tortoise Shell Code, which is a, one of his novels, How to Avoid Polarization. But Frank is going to take us a little bit more in details about polarization of uh, the politics of it all. So, Frank, go right ahead. Uh,
2: yeah. Well, as I said, in order to avoid it, uh Both sides have to act in good faith. Now, they can have their ideological differences, and uh, they don't have to give those up. But if they negotiate in good faith and explain their ideological differences, uh, they're going to get a lot closer than if they... Use uh, deceit and trickery to try to get their point across uh, if they find if let's say if one or the other side uh, goes down the path of uh, of the ends justify the means and they tell a lie in order to convince the person uh, to go his way, and even if the person doesn't know it's a lie, you know eventually perhaps they're going to find out and uh the, the, then the the advocate loses credibility and um you know i believe that uh, you should never you uh, justify the you never you never justified the ends the ends never justify the means you, you shouldn't commit a crime or tell a lie in order to get people to come to an end you think is a good end because if you have to lie to get there, it, that means it's not a good end. <laughs> the the definition would be uh, self self uh, existing there. So I think um, I think good faith is is what you have to do, and uh, and being civil and so forth. And now, if if there's a r- real strong ideological issue, then they're gonna to have to think of I I would think under the principles of competition, uh where they find that sweet spot between the two ideologies. There might be a sweet spot that um that would work. For example, let's take capitalism in the economy. And now
3: mm-hmm.
2: I use I use the metaphor of the Polynesian outrigger canoe. Now that that is one of the fastest vessels ever invented. It, it, they they broke speed records with that vessel. Anyway, you got a, a main pontoon, you got these I mean you got the main hull, you got the two struts going on and you had the little pontoon at the end of the struts and uh the reason you have that little pontoon out there is to keep the main canoe from flipping in a storm. But You don't want that little pontoon out there so fat that it's going to slow the canoe down. You want it just sleek enough and being enough weight to keep that canoe from flipping in a storm. So in the economy, I've got in the main hull, i got um, uh, Free Enterprise and... uh, and you know, free market and individual rights and liberty and freedom and everything, everything's in that big, the big main canoe. Out in that little outrigger, I've got enough regulation to to squash the criminals, the white criminals, the white crime criminals, and um, and uh, uh, you know anybody that stops on, um, innocent people and helpless people and so forth, you got in that, in that little pontoon out there. So if you want that economy going as fast as you can go, as strong as you can get it, and you want that canoe going as fast as you can go, you got to have the right asymmetric balance between the pontoon and the main hull. And I think it's easy. I think that's easy. Um, Go 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 right on a Polynesian canoe. They know exactly where to put that little pontoon and where to put the struts and everything. So they have found that they have found the sweet spot for making that canoe go at the fastest speed possible. So with the economy, they can find that sweet spot of too much regulation versus not enough regulation. Or the wrong kind of re- regulation. When they deregulated savings and loan, that was the wrong kind of regulation. Deregulation really wasn't deregulation. It was giving these people many monopolies. Right. Really, kind of filling the main hull rather than uh, setting that little outrigger out there. So, you know, to keep that metaphor in mind, that example in mind, the Albert Canoe. I love. I I love it. I try to get you know. I, uh, for the economy uh, you know what 's too much regulation uh, so much regulate too much regulation is a, is regulation that is so much that it 's a wet blanket on the economy, and not enough regulation is, is where if the we get a recession or something happens uh, everybody goes bankrupt you know so <laughs> they've got to keep it in this asymmetric balance and you know a funny thing about that is. That is what? kind of a middle of the road thing. It isn't too much socialism. If you had socialism, you got that. You could have that pontoon monstrous, and it would slow down the canoe. Uh, right. But but it, but, it, but it isn't too much free enterprise. So you have no regulation, and all these white collar criminals come in, and Bernie Madoff and everything, and. Uh, uh, then you have the economy getting into big fluctuations, and you have a disaster. Now when you don't have enough on that pontoon, and the canoe flips in the storm, or it doesn't even have to be a storm—a little big wave—it'll <laughs> flip. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, like I said, you learn—we learn something new every day. Now, with um, so Frank, how does all this? relate to the universe example maybe music the physics the astronomy
2: oh yeah again. Oh, god oh let's let's talk about music i, I love right. it i'm i'm i was a musician uh, uh i was a jazz musician back in the old days and i played some rock and roll but at any rate uh um, you know if you if you you probably have a lot of musicians in the audience and if you take a musical chord you got uh, you know it, you got some harmony in that chord, you got all lot harmony in that chord. If you if you take two of those notes together, just play two of the notes and not all four of the notes in a chord, uh you get you'll get dissonance between the two notes. But if you put all four notes together, then you got harmony. So this dissonance between the two notes is the competitive part of it. Of the chord—they're competing with each other in uh, in their tones. Yet, when you get the other notes mixed in with it, and you get the full chord. And then you get the harmony, and you get co where you get the the you get the cooperation from the from the other notes and the competition from the two notes together, and the chord is beautiful and uh then then you have competition well i think I think music um you won't find it out there in nature, i don't think but but man man invented it, and um yeah, I think man invented it because it makes man happy, you get into a different zone, you hear the music, you got the the opiates and the and the um uh, all of the uh, the uh, chemicals uh, kicking off endorphins and so forth. So I think man recognizes that good music is a code signal that is, something is going right. It's kind of like you're finding the sweet spot for life, and when you hear the music... The sweet spot you're experiencing it through the music, and it makes you feel good. It makes you feel, um, you know, like you're alive and you you enjoy it. So I think that's why man invented music to 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 come up with a code to signify they're living that there's life. Now, if you get in that chord, you got too much dissonance. Then you got too much competition, and the chord becomes like depressive. In other words, they can have a chord like that in a horror music movie. They're gonna hit a chord like that, and you're gonna get scared when you hear that chord because that's something that you, you you're listening to. It yeah, you're getting excited because of the because of um, the dissonance in the chord, but it's not. You don't want to live your life that way. <laughs> so that oh, shows no. something is out of balance, and you're not really hitting a sweet spot in life. And so, so what you know, Hollywood and operas and everything they they've taken music and they putting put it in the plays and they're accentuating your moods when you're watching the plays or the movies with the music. And they're they're putting you in and out of that sweet spot. And um, anyway, so and and, you know every eight notes is the same. It's it's one octave above, one octave below. And and in the universe also, you know, chemistry, uh, every eight atomic weight very similar to the eighth atomic weight, either below or above. So there's a order. There's some order in there that has to do with cooperation. Remember, I I, I said cooperation and order and um, and uniting and gravity and everything. They're all synonymous as far as the way I use the word cooperation. So um, in the universe, you got particles that compete with each other. You get the Big Bang. You get the explosions. You get uh, uh, all these particles, subatomic particles, trying to escape from each other to get space. The electromagnetic field, for example. Uh, and yet, on the other side of the equation, you got gravity that tries to bring everything together, and you got the the uh, gravity, and you get you got the other forces that try to bring things together. Um, so you got you got one. Field of particles trying to break things apart, and the other field trying to bring things together. So you got the cooperation field and the competition field, and and when you find the synthesis between the two, the sweet spot, you get uh, you get uh, uh, the atom, and you get um, you get all the workings of the, the, the electrons around the, the nucleus and so forth. So. Uh, uh, they, they they cooperate and they compete. Some particles go in waves, they're they're cooperating when they're going in waves. And those same electrons they could be going uh randomly and they're not going in waves though, they're in their competition state. So uh, right. Uh, so when I was trying to prove that this theory comes from the universe and it goes into everything, I I had these students, uh, students Go into all these different fields and relate the theory to what I was saying, and they they confirmed a lot of the stuff I was saying now. You know, a, a galaxies, uh, you got a galaxies in the in circular galaxies, they're all going around a black hole, and the black hole is the gravity, and it's keeping order of the Galaxy. Yet the galaxy, if it it weren't for the black hole, a would fly off in the space, and you wouldn't have a gravity, a galaxy anymore. You'd have total competition. All the planets and stars and everything would be flying off in the space. So you wouldn't have any. uh, You wouldn't have the unity that you needed to keep the universe together. So yeah, I I feel that uh, the universe uh, goes. I'm one of those guys that feels that it goes from one big bang to the next big bang and that um, I know some people think it's going to expand forever. I don't go along with that. I think think, uh, it'll get to the uh, maximum expansion and then it'll come back together into another big bang. And... um, yeah you get some of that in this primal wisdom, you know, as it relates to uh, my theory on human behavior right well,
0: Frank went now earlier we mentioned about um the Bill of rights and you talked about the separation of powers, the state rights so how does how does it really relate to the writing of the u s constitution? And, and the Bill of Rights.
2: Yes, yes. You know when they, you know, you know, they they had kind of a false step step when they started when they started the country. Uh, the first they started as a confederation where they had the colonies loosely put together, and they found out that uh, the central government wasn't strong enough, and that these colonies were competing with each other. And uh, and they felt, that, you know, we've got to make this central constitution stronger to get these colonies to work together. So then they came up with the, our present constitution where it, it it set up the central government to be more powerful, and they set up the uh, welfare clause in the, cent- in the constitution and so forth. And they said, well, wait a minute now. We've got all these liberties. We want to make sure that individual rights, free speech, freedom of religion, and uh, so forth, you know, are protected. And so they instituted the Bill of Rights, which gave these individual rights, those individual rights are the competitive part against the central government, which is the cooperative part. In other words, remember I'm talking about a sweet spot, a synthesis between the competitive parts and the cooperative parts. So... The central yes. government is the cooperative part, and then you got to have some competition against it. Then you have the Bill of Rights and all those, all those individual rights. And they're saying, okay, central government, you can do this and that, and this and that, but you can't stop on freedom of speech, freedom of religion, uh, you know, and and the rights of minorities uh, with the Fourth Amendment and so forth. Uh, you can't you can't stop on them. We, uh, they don't care if they're rich or poor or black or white or green or yellow they everybody has these rights and that means our individual rights so they're all the competitive parts of the constitution that um that keep the central government from abusing its its central power so when the government gets too big and too bulky and starts, uh, you know, exercising too much power to take away from the individual rights. Then you got these bill of rights that, that uh, the courts will hopefully enforce. You know, keep them in effect. There are a lot right. of countries in the world that set up a democracy. They set up democracies in the world, but they don't set up a bill of rights for the separate for the individual's rights. And the democracy goes to pot very soon. Like in Egypt, uh, they, they they brought in this uh, the uh, Muslim Brotherhood, and they 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 were supposed to be work under a democracy. That almost immediately they went into a theocracy, and then they um, eliminated individual rights, and uh, the, the thing turned into a different animal. So they had to have well, the, the, the government stepped, well, the, the military stepped in to try to get it back to what they intended in the first place, which was a democracy where they protected the individual rights as well as the collective rights. So there has to be this sweet spot between the collective rights and the individual rights, and to find that sweet spot, it's a lot easier if you know that you're looking for the sweet spot and if you right. don't know you're looking, if you don't know you're looking for a sweet spot, everybody's arguing with everybody. Nobody knows where they're going. But if they know that they have got to find a sweet spot between the cooperative rights and the competitive rights, the collective rights being cooperative rights, and the individual rights being the competitive rights, if they, need, if they know they're looking for that, then they can solve their problems more easily. I, I think I can solve them overnight. They just have to read my book. <laughs> Right.
0: (laughs) But um, they definitely will have to read it because that's the only way that they're going to be able to really change their view of the world. And I think, like you told me in the beginning, it's going to help them to get to the next level on everything from job performance to economic growth. And that's what this book is all about. It's it's illustrating that theory of cooperation, and that's what Frank's been doing. He's been giving you examples from that because You look at it all, greed is bad, but competition with the cooperation and ethics is good. So hopefully everybody will be able to get an understanding of that. Um, The Wall Street
2: protesters, they're saying saying capitalism is bad, greed is bad, and this and that, but they don't understand that in order for capitalism to work itself, there's a built-in ethics and morality in capitalism that works every day. (laughs) It works every day. In law if you go you get into a lawsuit a contract lawsuit there's a there's an implied condition of good faith and fair dealing in in most fiduciary contracts um you know they expect people to be in good faith and act uh, with fair dealing in order for the contract to work so um that's the way. Uh, capitalism works you know Adam Smith way back there in the 1600s he said uh, he said there's an invisible hand that makes capitalism work and what he meant by that an invisible hand that synergism it comes about from people working together and being ethical and there is a there's a built-in morality and ethics and, 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 and which is the glue to make the capitalism work? You know, back in the old days, in the well, way back, in the, you know, the, the the silk traders and these and their camel trains all the way across uh, Egypt, and, um, and and let's say they make their contract the year before, and they didn't write it down. They probably vowed to each other and they said, okay, you bring me X bolts of blue. Silk, uh, uh, yeah, this quality, that quality, and uh, and you'll be back in a year. And the silk side of it says, yeah, well, that's what it is. So they show up a year later. They got the silk. They have to trust each other. They bring in the right quality, the right weight, the right color. they have. They waited a whole year. On a, on a bow or a handshake to make sure the other guy's going to cooperate to bring back mm-hmm. the silk that was it. That's the way business got done, is by people trusting each other. So I think if the Wall Street people, protesters, if they understood what capitalism is really all about, uh they, they they would mellow they would mellow their their uh, uh protest. Make sure they're burning made off. That uh, they 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 got too much competition in their blood. Uh and, and they they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna take advantage of everybody no matter what. And yeah, that's the reason you have law and, and you got DAs and and Police departments and so forth to control those people. I don't know what percentage of people they are. I I tend to think they're not more than ten percent. I think being, you know ninety percent of people are are uh, tend to be fair-minded.
3: Well,
0: Frank, I just want to say it was it was fun getting to know about your book and knowing about you. And what's so interesting that you. You fell into this uh, from doing music and being a lawyer, so it's very interesting lifestyle. And most of the time, I have talked to so many lawyers that go into writing. I talked to one yes, yesterday. She going into law and now wants to do writing. So, so it's it's very it's very interesting how it goes hand to hand from lawyer to writing. I think it's pretty cool. But, Frank, before we get off the air, I want the listeners to know where they can get in contact with you or maybe even find your book.
2: Yeah, if they go to Amazon.com, that's the best way, Amazon.com, and just uh, plug in uh, uh, A Primal Wisdom. Yes, sir. Or, and, and, or, you know, I'd like them to get the novel, too, uh, The Tortoise Shell Code.
0: Right. Okay. And my
2: name again is uh, initial V, uh, and then the middle name is Frank, and then Asaro. So V Frank Asaro. And in um, my publisher's, uh, you can go under my publisher's name, but I don't know if they can remember all these things. So if they remember A Parma Wisdom and uh, The Tortoise Shell Code, and uh, my name V Frank Asaro on Amazon.com, uh, they can get it right away.
0: Well, once again, thank you so much, Frank, for doing this interview with me. And I wish you so much in your success throughout life. Um, Are we expecting any more books from you as well?
2: Uh, Well, you know, I've got a few written. I'll tell you real quickly, I wrote these books to get into a different zone from trying cases. You know, you you try cases, you can't sleep, you wake up at 1 o'clock in the morning, you're wondering if, uh, you're worried if a witness is going to show up or something. So I go into the den and I just start writing to get in a different zone. The next morning, I couldn't even remember what I wrote. But I found that I had years of things piled up. Well, uh, eventually it, they became these books we're talking about now. But I've also written some stuff that I haven't published yet, and that's still sitting in the drawer. I'm going to dust those things off <laughs> and uh, and probably <laughs> as soon as I as, soon as I get a break here, that'd be great.
0: Right. Well, Well. thank you again, Frank, I, and you have a blessed day. Thank you so much. I hope one day we can end up doing this again.
2: Oh, me, too. me too. Thank you. Take a share.
0: You are so welcome. Bye-bye, Frank. Bye-bye. Well, coming up tomorrow, I will have Mr. W. Dennis Parker, who is a hypnotherapist, instructor, and a behavior modification expert, and he will be discussing about the truth about hypnosis and hypnotherapy and how hypnotherapy can help change unwanted behavior. So stay tuned in for tomorrow. God bless you, and I hope to see you at noon.
1: Thank you for tuning in to The Bright Side with Tanisha. Come back daily from 12 p.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. God bless.